Welcome everyone to the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. The regular season finale was just absurd. We had buzzer beaters, upsets, a firing, and a three-way tie in first place. We'll go over all the madness, the games, the championship, the controversy. As always, we'll hand out this week's Hikes Peak Weekly MVP, but we'll finish the show with our breakdown of the championship game. Let's get right into it with Air Force traveling to the blue turf to take on Boise State. Our first quote-unquote semifinal happened on Friday with the Broncos starting the game off with a field goal. There would be no more scoring until the second quarter with Boise State moving down the field in 12 plays to take a 10-0 lead on a 12-yard touchdown run from Taylor Green. The Falcons would finally get on the board with a field goal, but the very next play would be a screen pass to Ashton Genty, who juked his way 75 yards to the house to make it 17 to three. Air Force got another field goal as the half ended and kept the momentum going with a QB sneak touchdown from John Boucher to make it a 17-12 game, which was set up by a 68-yard run from Dylan Carson. But just as they closed in, Ashton Genty would strike again, this time with a 50-yard house call, doubling up the Falcons at 24-12. Taylor Green threw his second interception of the day, giving the Falcons the spark they needed to get back into it, with Dylan Carson punching it in from two yards out to make it a 24-19 game with 17 minutes left. That would be the last time anyone found the end zone, though, with neither offense being able to move the ball too well as the game wound down. The Broncos pushed their lead to 8 with a 52-yard field goal from Jonah Dalmas with 4 minutes to go, while Air Force turned the ball over on downs, and then with their last gasp, through an interception to Kawanoe Kaniho to end it. Spencer Danielson has the Broncos in the mix for the conference championship and is making a heck of a case for the head coach job, while Air Force still can't find the rhythm as they drop their fourth straight game. Taylor Green was solid other than the two interceptions. He was 13 of 17, 228 passing yards, a touchdown, and those two picks. Also ran for 25 yards and a touchdown. Ashton Genty was phenomenal as he always is. 14 carries, 107 rushing yards, and a touchdown, and five catches, 118 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Alexander Tubner led the Broncos with 14 tackles and a deflection. Ahmed Hassanane had six tackles and a sack. Andrew Simpson was all over the field with four tackles, three tackles for loss, a sack, and a forced fumble. Kawanoe Kaniho had two tackles and the game-winning interception. And Braxton Feely had two tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble. A ton of injuries for the Falcons at quarterback, so John Boucher was the man, and he didn't not play too well. 8 of 17, 131 passing yards, an interception, a rushing touchdown, and two fumbles. Dylan Carson had a great day with 132 rushing yards and a touchdown. Jonathan Youngblood led Air Force with 11 tackles and a tackle for loss. Jaden Goodwin had eight tackles and an interception, and Jalen Mergerson had six tackles and an interception. Next, we have San Jose State traveling to take on UNLV. Our second semifinal takes us to the Strip, which is where the Spartans got off to a fast start finding the end zone on their first drive with a 56-yard catch and run from senior tight end Sam Olson. Jacob DeJesus then fumbled the ensuing kickoff, gifting San Jose State a field goal. UNLV went three and out, and the Spartans did it again with a 25-yard touchdown run from Kyrie Robinson. 17-0 in the first quarter. Rebels finally woke up, marching down the field and getting on the board with a Jet Thomas 7-yard touchdown run. San Jose State converted on another field goal to make it 20 
20-7, to but UNLV was able to cancel that out with their own field goal later in the second quarter. The 20-10 to score would hold through the half, and the Rebels came out of the locker room firing, getting into the red zone with a 68-yard bomb to Ricky White, and capping it off with another Jet Thomas touchdown run to cut the lead to three. The Spartans would also start the half well offensively, going right down the field and making it 27-17 with a short touchdown throw to Isaac Jernigan. They added to that with a third field goal, and after Jose Pisano missed only his second field goal of the year, San Jose State capitalized with a 40-yard touchdown run from who else but Kyrie Robinson. 37-17 Spartans with 11 minutes to go. UNLV would need everything to go their way from this point on, and that honestly is what happened. Jet Thomas's third touchdown run of the day cut the lead to 13, and they forced a three and out. The Rebels found the end zone again with two freshmen, Jaden Mayava and Corey Thompson Jr., linking up for the 29-yard score. With a minute 26 remaining, the Spartans only needed one first down to seal it after getting the onside kick, but UNLV held strong to get one last shot down six with 64 seconds left. They got a first down, but with no timeouts, it was too tall of a task, and they turned it over with seven seconds left. Brent Brennan and the Spartans have done it. They win their sixth straight game to create a three-way tie for first, while UNLV can't complete the comeback, drops to nine and three, and has their spot in the conference championship in jeopardy. Chevin Cordiero, it's the same old story. He's efficient. He's playing great ball. 19 of 26, 249 passing yards and two touchdowns. Kyrie Robinson playing just incredible. 16 carries, 165 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Nick Nash was their leading receiver with three catches for 98 receiving yards. Sam Olson had six catches and 81 receiving yards and a touchdown. Jordan Pollard led the way for them defensively. 11 tackles and a tackle for loss. Trey Smith was great at stuffing the run with 10 tackles. And Brian Parham had eight tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack. Jaden Maiava played solid, but it wasn't enough to get the job done. 19 of 29, 229 passing yards and a touchdown. Vincent Davis led the Rebels in rushing with 88 yards. Jet Thomas continues to have quite the breakout season, 48 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Ricky White continues to dominate, five catches, 111 receiving yards. Marcel McDuffie led the Rebels with 12 tackles. Jackson Woodard had 11 tackles and two tackles for loss. And Jackson Turner had seven tackles and a forced fumble. Next, we have Utah State trying to get bowl eligible versus New Mexico. Our other Friday matchup was here in Albuquerque, where the bowl-hungry Aggies got out in front with a 13-yard touchdown catch from Jalen Royals. The Lobos would match that a few plays later with a 64-yard house call from Andrew Henry. Not to be outdone, Utah State only needed a couple of plays to find Jalen Royals in the end zone again, this time from 57 yards out. Scoring would take a break until the latter part of the second quarter, with the Aggies knocking in a field goal to make it 17-7, but New Mexico kept it close with a 29-yard touchdown catch from Wyatt McLeod just before halftime. Utah State likes starting halves with touchdowns, so naturally Levi Williams found a crease and ran it 29 yards to the house to once again make it a 10-point game. The Lobos had no intentions of going away, however, and cut it back to three with a 22-yard touchdown run from Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt. It looked like the Aggies may have had it wrapped up after a Rashul Faison 17-yard touchdown run, once again making it a 10-point lead with five and a half minutes left, but that wouldn't be much fun. New Mexico drove down the field and punched it in with Devin Dampierre to make it 31-28, got a stop, and drove deep into Aggie territory with the clock winding down. They settled for a chip shot field goal with four seconds left, tying the game 
game at 31 and sending us to overtime. The first period saw both teams do the exact same thing, finding the end zone by way of a scramble from their QB. In the second overtime, the Lobos couldn't find the end zone and had to settle for a field goal, leaving the door open for Utah State on a busted play where Levi Williams fumbled the snap. He somehow scrambled his way through the defense to break the plane and send the Aggies bowling. Final score 44-41. By the skin of their teeth, Blake Anderson and his squad are going to the postseason, while New Mexico fought incredibly hard on senior night but came up just short. If they won this game, sadly, I don't think it would change what happened the day after, but there's no denying the heart that they've shown this year. If you don't know what I'm referring to, Danny Gonzalez did get fired the day after. He finished 14-32 and in his four-year stint, and clearly the administration thinks they should be better, but I don't know if I agree. They'll have a tough time finding someone who cares more about that program than Danny, and I don't know if starting from scratch is going to have the effect they would hope. The third-string quarterback, Levi Williams, was called upon to lead his team to a bowl game, and he did just that. 16 of 27, 198 passing yards, two touchdowns and an interception, and he ran for 153 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Rashul Faison had 18 carries, 106 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Royals had 89 receiving yards and two touchdowns, seven catches. MJ Tafisi led the Aggies with 11 tackles and a tackle for loss. Star safety Ike Larson had 10 tackles, a tackle for loss, and a deflection. Hale Motuapuaka had three tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and a sack. Blaine Spires had two sacks, and freshman J.D. Drew had two tackles and three deflections. The freshman Devin Dampier continues to leave his mark on games for the Lobos. 5 of 12, 77 passing yards, a touchdown, and ran for 36 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt was just incredible in his final collegiate game. 31 carries, 233 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Andrew Henry had 82 rushing yards and a touchdown. Derek Moore led the Lobos with 12 tackles. Alec Marenko had 11 tackles and a tackle for loss. Andrew Marius Lewis had three tackles, a deflection, and an interception. Next, we have another fight for bowl eligibility with Colorado State traveling to take on Hawaii. One of the most intriguing matchups of the week, the Rams took the lead first with a 21-yard touchdown run from breakout freshman Justin Marshall. They were on their way to score again, but Braden Fowler Nicolosi got picked off by Elijah Palmer deep in Hawaii territory. He took full advantage with Braden Shager, finding Stephen McBride for the 12-yard game-tying score. Colorado State would get a field goal on their next drive, but the Rainbow Warriors got their first lead from a trick play with receiver Chuki Hines hitting Devin Tawafa for a 26-yard touchdown. The 14-10 score would hold until halftime, but Hawaii continued to take control of the game with a long drive that ended with a Tamatoa Mokiao Atimalala 8-yard touchdown run. The Rams would struggle to get the offense going in the second half, and Hawaii added to their lead with a field goal at the beginning of the fourth, making it 24-10. Colorado State's offense came to life just in time with Braden Fowler Nicolosi driving his team down the field and finding Lewis Brown the fourth from 17 yards out to cut it to one possession. They missed on the two-point, making it 24-16 with nine minutes left, but things looked bleak after a missed field goal with four minutes to go. The Rainbow Warriors had a field goal attempt with two minutes left that could have sealed the game, but it was blocked, giving the Rams one last shot at bowl eligibility. The first three plays went nowhere, bringing up a fourth and eight. Braden Fowler Nicolosi dropped back, chucked it to Tory Horton on a deep post where he caught it and took it to the crib. A 70-yard touchdown with 54 seconds left, and it means 
nothing if they don't get the two-pointer. Of course, Torrey Horton converts on that too, tying the game at 24. Braden Shager would nickel and dime down the field to make a field goal possible, getting the ball to the 34-yard line with the clock running out. The field goal unit rushes onto the field, and right before the clock hits zero, the ball is snapped, and Matt Shipley drills the 51-yarder. Ball game, Hawaii wins it. I know there's a bit of controversy around whether they were actually set before getting the kickoff, but at the end of the day, it doesn't change anything. After all of that, Jay Norvell and the Rams can't squeeze it out and will have to wait on their first bowl game since 2017. While Timmy Chang and the Rainbow Warriors finish the year winning three of their last four games and have all the momentum they could want going into 2024, Braden Shager played great 30 of 43, 320 passing yards, a touchdown, and 49 rushing yards. Stephen McBride had six catches, 82 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Pofele Ashlock had seven catches, 81 receiving yards, and a fumble. Jalen Smith made a ton of plays, seven tackles, one and a half tackles for loss. And Elijah Palmer had five tackles and an interception. Braden Fowler-Nicolosi ends up with a pretty good stat line, 26 of 38, 317 passing yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. But all things considered, you have to keep in mind that the offense just didn't do anything in the second half up until that late comeback. And that's ultimately the reason why they were in the position they were that let that buzzer-beating field goal get through. Freshman Justin Marshall continues to be a beacon of hope for Ram fans. 20 carries, 94 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Torrey Horton left it all out on the field. Nine catches, 186 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Dominic Morris had his best game of the year. 10 tackles, a tackle for loss, a deflection, and a forced fumble. Jack Howell had eight tackles, and Cam Baratow had three tackles and two tackles for loss. Next up, we have Wyoming traveling to Reno to take on Nevada. Refreshingly, the outcome of this game will not make or break anyone's season. Yay! The Cowboys got out in front first with a 43-yard touchdown run from Andrew Peasley and got another one later in the quarter with a 34-yard touchdown to Will Pellissier. The Wolfpack got on the board with a field goal but really shot themselves in the foot by throwing a pick to Wyatt Eckler, who did an impression of his older brother Austin and ran all the way into the end zone to make it 21-3. Nevada got another field goal before halftime, but again had a self-inflicted wound, with Jamal Bell fumbling the kickoff and setting up an easy touchdown catch for Ayer Asante. Harrison Whaley would find the end zone a few minutes later to make it 35-6, and Andrew Peasley got one more rushing touchdown for himself before the game mercifully ended. Final score, 42-6. Wyoming has their first eight-win season since 2019 and has a shot to get their best record since 1996 if they can win their bowl game, while Nevada falls to 2-10 and and will go back to the drawing board for 2024. Andrew Peasley had quite the day, 12 of 18, 165 passing yards, two touchdowns, and he ran for 96 yards and two touchdowns. Harrison Whaley was great, 71 rushing yards and a touchdown. Sebastian Harsh has a very bright future ahead of him for the Cowboys. Six tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and two sacks. Wyatt Eckler had five tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, and the pick six. And Braden Siders had three tackles and one and a half sacks. Shane Illingworth got the start for Nevada, making him the third quarterback to start for them this year, and he did okay. 15 of 27, 175 passing yards and an interception. Spencer Curtis was their best receiver. Five catches for 70 receiving yards. Imani Johnson led them in tackles with 13 and had a deflection as well. Richard Tony Jr. had eight tackles and a tackle for loss, and Drew Watts had six tackles and a sack.
back. Last but not least, we have Fresno State traveling to Snapdragon Stadium to take on San Diego State. Our final game to go over is the battle for the old oil can. The Bulldogs struck first with Malik Sherrod breaking away and going the distance for the 62-yard touchdown. The Aztecs would get a field goal on their opening possession and got one more after Mikey Keene got picked off by Marcus Ratcliffe. The offenses would continue to struggle until San Diego State took the lead on a 70-yard house call from Jalen Maiden. Both teams would convert on field goals before halftime, making it a 16-10 lead for the Aztecs. They added to that on their first drive of the second half with Jalen Armstead crossing the goal line from two yards out to make it 23-10. Jack Browning hit his fourth field goal of the day to push the lead to 16, which is when Fresno State finally showed signs of life with Malik Sherrod ending a 10-play drive with a short touchdown run plus the two-point conversion to make it 26-18 with 10 minutes to go. In one of the most surprising single drives of the entire season, San Diego State would run off seven minutes as they methodically moved down the field on Fresno State's defense before Jalen Maiden found freshman Leo Kemp for the five-yard knockout punch. 33-18 Aztecs, and that was all she wrote. Defying all logic, San Diego State controls the entire game and rips the old oil can out of Fresno State's hands as a parting gift for Brady Hoke. The Bulldogs, meanwhile, went from 8-1 and and at the top of the conference to losing their final three games. Ouch. I think if you asked Jalen Maiden if this was how he wanted to go out, I think record-wise, probably not, but stat line, I think so. 17 of 26, 189 yards, and a touchdown through the air. And on the ground, 96 rushing yards and a touchdown. Jalen Armstead had 41 rushing yards and a touchdown. Marcus Ratcliffe had six tackles and an interception. And another senior, Noah Tumblin, had five tackles and two deflections. Mikey King just didn't have it. 21 of 36, 190 passing yards and an interception. Reception. Malik Sherrod did all he could. 15 carries, 138 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. Also had 44 receiving yards. The two senior linebackers carried the Bulldogs defense. Malachi Langley had 13 tackles and half a tackle for loss. And Lavelle Bailey had six tackles, one and a half sacks, and a deflection. Slight switcheroo here. We're going to give out our Hikes Peak Weekly MVP right now. That's going to be Levi Williams. Come on down, Levi. 16 of 27, 198 passing yards, two touchdowns touchdowns and interception and 153 rushing yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Our final regular season MVP is going to Levi who made his first start of the year and all he did was throw for 200 yards and two touchdowns, run for 150 yards and three touchdowns, including the game winner in double overtime to send his team bowling. Is this a movie script? It might be because he was asked about his last year of eligibility and what his plans were. Transfer? come back? Nope. Levi is done with football and he's going to train to become a Navy SEAL. Wow. Hats off to you, Levi. You might be the baddest man on the planet and you're definitely our Hikes Peak Weekly MVP. Congratulations. Now with five Mountain West teams officially done for the year, let's take a look at how they did and who balled out for them. We'll start with New Mexico. Has to start with Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt. He had 1,190 rushing yards, good for seventh in school history. 17 rushing touchdowns puts him at third. It's by far the best rushing season by a Lobo since Terry 
Tyreon Gibson in 2016. While Dylan Hopkins started most of the games at quarterback, freshman Devin Dampier established himself as the Lobos QB of the future, over 500 passing yards, 62.5% completion rate, six touchdowns to zero interceptions, as well as running for 328 yards and four touchdowns. Senior corner Dante Martin had seven deflections this year, giving him a career total of 31, which is tied for second in Mountain West history. Jermarius Lewis burst onto the scene with 45 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, three interceptions, four deflections, and a forced fumble. Zach Morris is one of the best corners in the conference with 36 tackles, an interception, and 10 deflections. Overall, four wins is the most for New Mexico since 2016, though it wasn't enough to save Danny Gonzalez's job. Six of their eight losses were by double digits, a slight improvement from all 10 of their losses last year. Next, we'll do Colorado State. Corey Horton was as advertised. Despite battling injuries for a good portion of the year, he played in all 12 games, racked up 96 catches, which led the Mountain West in his third in school history, had 1,136 receiving yards, which is second in the Mountain West and sixth in school history, and eight touchdowns, which ties for fifth. He had the best receiving year for a Ram since Preston Williams in 2018. The Rams seem to have found their quarterback in Braden Fowler Nicolosi. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, mainly the 16 interceptions he threw, which is tied for the most in the nation, but he still was a solid showrunner. 3,460 passing yards, second in the Mountain West. 22 touchdowns, which is second in the Mountain West as well, on 62.1 completion rate. He was the most productive Ram QB since Nick Stevens in 2017, which considering he's a freshman, really encouraging for what the rest of his career will look like. Speaking of freshmen, the run game was spotty, but true freshman Justin Marshall will be a huge part of their offense next year. In just three games, he ran for 311 yards and two touchdowns. Dolan Holker has a decision to make as the junior proved he's one of the best tight ends in the country. His 767 receiving yards led all tight ends and his six touchdown catches are tied for third. He will be first team all Mountain West, no doubt about it. Two other juniors that showed their NFL potential were safety Jack Howell and linebacker Chase Wilson. Howell had 114 tackles, second in the Mountain West, an interception and a forced fumble. Wilson, a rotation piece last year, exploded for 107 tackles, which is third in the Mountain West, eight and a half tackles for loss and three and a half sacks. What else can be said about Mohamed Kamara? 56 tackles, 17 tackles for loss and 13 sacks, which both led the Mountain West and two forced fumbles. He's going to be a top three round pick. Despite missing a bowl game, the Rams won five games for the first time since 2017. They also scored at least 20 points in 10 of their 12 games, which is infinitely better than last year when they couldn't do it once. Next, the team that ended Colorado State's season, we have Hawaii. Braden Shager took a huge step in year three. He led the conference in passing yards with 3,542 and touchdowns with 26. The last Rainbow Warrior to do that was Cole McDonald in 2019. In a year where Hawaii needed some receivers to step up, two emerged as stars. Stephen McBride, who transferred from Kansas, was one of the best deep threats in the Mountain West. He had 63 catches, 1,024 receiving yards, which is third in the conference, and nine touchdowns, which tied for third. Pofele Ashlock, a true freshman from Texas, was a go-to option from the jump. He had 83 catches, which was second in the Mountain West, 832 receiving yards, and nine touchdowns, which tied with Stephen for third. The defense had a ton to deal with this year. Losing Logan Taylor at the midseason mark was beyond brutal, but they put together a nice season. Peter Manuma took the next step by leading the team with 87 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, and three interceptions. Juco 
sophomore Jalen Smith balled out with 66 tackles and nine tackles for loss. Several corners had banner years like veteran Verdell Edwards II, who had 36 tackles and nine deflections. Freshman Elijah Palmer, who had 37 tackles and two interceptions. Juco junior Caleb Brown, who had 17 tackles and seven deflections. And Oregon State transfer Jojo Forrest, who had 12 tackles and eight deflections. Overall, five wins is Hawaii's most since 2021, when Todd Graham went six and seven before being fired amidst controversy. Five of their losses were by at least 20 points. They did sometimes get run out of the stadium by elite offenses, but overall, this was a great step for Hawaii overall this year, and they're definitely going to make a push for a bowl game next year. Next, we have Nevada. It's hard to find positives about this year for the Wolfpack, but I'm going to do my best. The starting quarterback spot was held by several different players throughout the season, but Brendan Lewis and AJ Bianco both showed big play and running ability. They'll continue to fight for the QB job next year. Another one of their big-time transfers, Oregon junior Sean Dollars, led the team with 527 rushing yards and six touchdowns. The defense struggled, but a couple players stick out as linchpins or future building blocks. Senior safety Imani Johnson had 100 tackles, which was six in the conference, and three interceptions. His understudy, Richard Tony Jr., had a great year with 67 tackles and two pick sixes. He'll be expected to lead the secondary next year. Sophomore Drew Watts played well as a linebacker with 60 tackles, six tackles for loss, and four fumble recoveries. They also found a solid edge rusher in junior Marcel Walker Burgess. He had 46 tackles and led the team in TFLs with six and a half and sacks with four. Oddly, this Nevada squad may have taken a step back compared to last year. Keep in mind, they both ended at two and ten. Only one of their losses was by single digits compared to three last year. The Ken Wilson era has also started worse than any Nevada team ever with a four and 20 record being the worst two years stretch in school history. Last team to go over is San Diego State. Jalen Maiden's passing game was almost identical to what it was the year before, but his ground game improved, doubling his impact with 528 rushing yards, which led the team, and five touchdowns. As far as I can tell, he's the best running quarterback the Aztecs have had since Kevin O'Connell, yes, the Vikings head coach, ran for 400 yards and 11 touchdowns in 2007. Jalen Armstead established himself as San Diego State's main back, running for 448 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. The defense had its moments throughout the season. Senior defensive back Sedarius Barfield and Noah Tumblin were their typical effective selves. Barfield led the team with four interceptions and Tumblin led the Mountain West with 12 deflections. No player, however, has given Aztec fans more hope for the future than linebacker Zyrus Fiaseo. He led the team in tackles with 64, tackles for loss with 11 and a half, sacks with five and a half, and forced fumbles, which he led the conference with four. He'll be a huge part of this team next year. At 4-8, it's San Diego State's worst season since 2009, when they also went 4-8 in Brady Hoke's first year. Talk about full circle. Before we move on, I want to talk about New Mexico, the job Danny Gonzalez did, and where they'll go from here. As I said before, I think this is a move that New Mexico will regret. It looked to me that Gonzalez had his team turning the corner, and while 4-8 doesn't look pretty, it's their best team in years. Recruiting has been beyond tough there, and the transfer portal has routinely taken their best players the year after they break out. Those factors likely won't change, and I doubt a new coach will do better than the guy who's already four years in and loves the school more than anything. We'll see if they can pull off a UNLV and turn it around in one season. Here are some names in the mix that you're going to want to look out for. Gary Patterson, the former TCU coach, of course was there from 2000 to 2021, had an almost 70% winning percentage. Brian Harson has been in the mix for a couple of jobs. He was at Boise State from 2014 to 2020, did very well.
well there and then went to Auburn for two years and only won 43% of his game. Bronco Mendenhall, another guy who was in the Mountain West a long time ago, he was BYU's head coach from 2005 to 2015 and did very well there, winning 70% of his games. Then went to Virginia and was there from 2016 to 2021 and did a pretty solid job there before leaving of his own accord. Matt Wells, who had a very successful run as Utah State's head coach from 2013 to 2018. Then he went to Texas Tech from 2019 to 2021 and it didn't work out, only winning 43% of his games. Another guy who could be in the mix is Ken Niamatololo, the longtime Navy head coach from 2007 to 2022. Won 57% of his games there, had Navy ranked a couple of times. Some current head coaches you want to look at, especially on the FCS level, Jason Eck from Idaho. He's only been there for two years and he's turned them into the number four team in the FCS. He's gone 15 and eight over those two seasons. Brent Vigan, who is a name that's been in the mix for the Boise State job. Montana State head coach who's been there since 2021. He's been 32 and seven in that time and they were the FCS natty runner up in 2021. It seems likely that New Mexico will try and get a guy with head coaching experience, a la the success that UNLV has had by getting a former head coach in Barry Odom. One coordinator to keep an eye on though, which is the name you're probably expecting, Brennan Marion, UNLV's offensive coordinator, the mastermind behind the go-go offense. Not hard to see why you would want to give him a shot at running his own program. Now let's talk about the elephant in the room. As you're all aware, we ended up with a three-team tie for the conference championship. Boise State, who beat San Jose State. UNLV, who never played Boise State and lost to San Jose State. And San Jose State, who beat UNLV and lost to Boise State. While a couple minutes of logic would tell you that the two teams with tiebreakers should make it, the new bylaws deemed it should be decided by computer rankings, which gave the nod to UNLV and Boise State. Couple of things. One, what a horrible way for this to go down for San Jose State. I understand they could have held on to win against Boise State, but come on, they won six straight games with an average margin of victory over 20. They just outplayed UNLV. I think if your goal is to get the best two teams into the conference championship, the Spartans objectively have to be there. My guess is they destroy whoever they play in their bowl game and we'll all have nothing left to do but wonder what if. Second thing, as angry as fans have been with this outcome, let's take a step back. How did this happen? It's simple. The Mountain West eliminated division. The divisions made it so you never had to worry about a scenario where a head-to-head tiebreaker didn't exist. Everyone played each other, but the problem was, and the reason why most fans were happy with the change preseason, was because we all wanted the best two teams in the title game, regardless of division, and here we are. Sometimes without divisions, the final decision isn't made on the field, which sucks, but overall, I think it's the right decision since it'll give the conference their best chance at making a New Year's Six Bowl. The sacrifice you make with that choice is that sometimes you get a three-way tie. We'll move on to the game preview now, but last word for San Jose State fans, don't let this distract you from what your team has accomplished. They regained their balance after a rough start and showed the world that the Spartans are not to be messed with. The future is bright under Brent Brennan and your next conference title is likely not far away. Now for the main event, Boise State traveling to Allegiant Stadium to take on UNLV. Boise State currently a two-point favorite. If I told you this matchup at the beginning of the year, even if you believed me, you would think there's no way UNLV is hosting. Strange times we live in, huh? Barry Odom in just his first year took a team that's gone to one bowl game in the last 20 years and turned them into a fast-paced, efficient, and fun-to-watch team that's not afraid of anyone. This is already their best season in 39 years, technically their 
their best ever since that season was vacated and their first ever conference championship appearance. Freshman quarterback Jaden Maiava was thrown into the fire when starter Doug Brumfield went down and he's been awesome. The go-go offense has been revolutionary with three running backs getting over 400 yards and five touchdowns, that being Vincent Davis, Donovan Lester, and Jet Thomas. Ricky White has a shot at winning Offensive Player of the Year after leading the Mountain West with 1,309 receiving yards. The defense also made huge strides with transfers like Jackson Woodard, Jackson Turner, and Jeray Williams all dominating at times. The loss to San Jose State was alarming, but not unexpected. This is still a phenomenal team that's writing a phenomenal story for UNLV to win the Mountain West. Jaden Maiava has to protect the football like he has all year. Ricky White has to make play after play after play, and the defense has to limit the damage done by Ashton Genty and George Holani. As for Boise State, this is quite possibly the strangest season in school history. After being the overwhelming favorite to win the conference, the Broncos stumbled out of the gate to 3-4, and four, highlighted by their first ever loss to Colorado State on a Hail Mary that will never be forgotten in Fort Collins. After improving to 5-5, five and five, Andy Avalos got canned and star receiver Eric McAllister hit the portal. No way they can still get to the conference championship under these conditions, right? Think again. They blew out Utah State and took care of business against Air Force, and here we are. Kalen Green has struggled, no doubt, but he's playing his best ball of the year at this point and looks to have some of his confidence back. Ashton Genty has been nothing short of transcendent with over 1,600 all-purpose yards and 18 touchdowns. George Holani has also been great since coming back from injury, completing the feared one-two punch that we've been waiting for all season. The defense, much like the rest of the team, has been on a roller coaster, but they have some all-conference performers in linebacker Andrew Simpson and edge rusher Ahmed Hassanet. Over the last three games, they've only allowed 14.3 points, just in time for the title game. For Spencer Danielson and Boise State to win their first conference championship since 2019, the dynamic duo of Genty and Holani have to dominate. The passing game can help them out, but the run game absolutely needs to win this for them. Defensively, they have to pressure Jaden Maiava and ideally get out to an early lead to force the Rebels away from the run game. My prediction, this game is going to be epic. Both running games are thriving with Ashton Genty and Donovan Lester both breaking off long touchdown runs in the first quarter. We're tied at 17 at the half and tied at 24 going into the fourth quarter, but that's when the tides turn. Ashton Genty finds a crease and goes 80 yards to the house to go up by a touchdown, and with time winding down, the Rebels have a chance to tie near the goal line. Jaden Maiava throws a jump ball up to his safety blanket, his go-to guy, his all-conference performer in Ricky White, but it's Kawanohi Kaniho who knocks it into the air where Alexander Tubner is waiting to intercept it and seal the game. A poetic end for the corner who knocked down Colorado State's Hail Mary pass for whatever reason his deflections are legally required to not hit the ground. Against all odds, Boise State wins their last four games and hoists the Craig Thompson Trophy by predicted final Boise State 31, UNLV 24. That's it for this episode of the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to the mountain. Make sure to make the trek back here next Tuesday for another brand new episode where we'll discuss what happened in the conference championship and take a look at bowl games. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on or leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing helps the show out more than that, so any ratings would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and find all of your Mountain West news at MWCConnection.com. Thank you again for listening. This season has been incredible and I'm blessed to have all of you along.
for the ride. Until next time, I'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.